We've received breaking news from Joseph Lee. You are disqualified from driving for 12 months. The focus of the police investigation. We now sentence each of you. We are investigating a serious incident. We'll work together and we will find you. We will prosecute you. You will be detained at His Majesty's pleasure. Hello, good morning, good afternoon or good evening depending on when you're listening and welcome to the Oxfordshire Court and Crime podcast. My name is G and I am the Court and Crime reporter for the Oxford Mail. And welcome to episode four of this first season where we're doing a deep dive behind the scenes of the murder trial of Jorge Carreño. In this episode, we're going to be going into more details about the verdict and the subsequent sentencing of Scarlett Blake, which gives a bit of a spoiler of what the uh, verdict was. And we're going to be reading through some of the tributes to Mr. Martin Carreño and the police response. Now, normally I would give you a warning to say this is an ongoing trial and there are certain things that we can't report on or talk about but the verdict is in and a side of the story has been accepted by the jury so we are free to go into more details about the case so without further ado let's jump into the verdict and sentencing of Scarlett Blake. So in the last podcast we talked a bit about Blake's defence and what her version of events were on the night of the 25th of July 2021. Essentially what happened after that was prosecutor Alison Morgan KC and defence barrister Richard Sutton KC gave their final closing speeches to the jury. This was basically their last chance to speak to the jury and put across their case to members of the jury and once that was done the judge went through the summing up of the case and the jury were dismissed to deliver their verdicts. Now this happened early Thursday afternoon and after that it was just playing the waiting game. We had no idea if the jury were going to come back on the same day, on the Friday, or if we were going to wait over the weekend for the jury to come back on the Monday. You can never tell. I always try to hazard a guess as to when a jury will come back and I am always wrong. But this time, actually, I was right on the money. I thought they would need about two hours to consider each point. Now, the points that they were reminded that they needed to consider were... One, did Mr. Martin Carreño intend to take his own life? Two, could Mr. Martin Carreño have fallen into Parsons' pleasure and died by accident? Or three, was there third party involvement, i.e. was Blake, the 26-year-old, involved in his death? Now, we can't say for certain 100% what the jury spent their time discussing jury members are not allowed to speak about what happened during retirement it would be a contempt of court for them to do so so we will never know what was discussed how much time was spent discussing certain things all we know is the verdict that was delivered and after about six hours the jury returned with their verdict on the afternoon of friday the 23rd at about 3 p.m the foreman was asked to stand and as was Blake and she was found guilty of the murder of Jorge Martin Carreño. The courtroom was warned beforehand not to make any reaction to the verdict. 
we were told the verdict would be taken in silence and that was pretty much what happened. There was no noise, no reaction really from anyone, including Blake who was very stoic in the dock when she was told that she was guilty of this murder. She was immediately taken down to the cells underneath the court by the dock officers. She nodded and gave a small smile to her mum who sat in the public gallery before being taken down. This was after she was told that she would be sentenced immediately on the following Monday. So before we go into the details of the sentencing, which included a lot of very nice tributes to Mr. Martin Carreño, I thought we would go over the events of what happened as were accepted by the jury. Because in this podcast, there's been a lot of allegedly this happened or such and such version of events was this and such and such said this so I thought it'd be important to go through it start to finish with what the jury accepted as the truth. A lot of this you will be able to remember so I'll try to keep it brief but in short Mr Martin Carreño was a 30 year old Spanish man who had moved to the UK in 2019 with his then girlfriend Irene. They both worked at the BMW plant in Cowley and had lived together when they first moved over to Oxford. However, they shortly split but amicably because they just wanted different things out of the relationship and stayed in touch and stayed good friends. So, Miss Martin Carreño moved out and lived with two other housemates, flatmates in Oxford. In 2021, the UK was still in a lockdown because of the coronavirus pandemic so come July when that lockdown was lifted everyone was keen to get out and start socializing again and one of those people who were was keen to get out was Mr Martin Carreño himself so on July 25th 2021 he had gone rock climbing in the day before meeting friends and colleagues out in the city centre in the evening they went to a couple of pubs but spent the most time at the Cowan Creek. Mr Martin Carreño himself was described as being in good spirits and looking forward to the future that evening and just everyone was very happy and having a nice sociable time. They all left the pub at about 2am and this is when Mr Martin Carreño splits from his friends and is seen on various CCTV cameras walking around Oxford city centre. I described it in the previous podcast as it looked like he is doing just a big circle of Oxford, not really walking in a particular location, a particular route. And phone data taken from, I think it was like the cloud or from his watch, it wasn't taken from his actual phone, revealed that he was making internet searches for his home address and he was also using a dating app whilst walking around Oxford. He dropped his wallet, I believe it was about 3.30am, and then at about 4am he came to sit down in Radcliffe Square, near the very famous Radcliffe camera. Now it was about 2.30am when Scarlett Blake, 26, left her home in Crotch Crescent Marston. She was wearing a long combat jacket, a covid mask and her hood was up she was seen on cctv similar to mr martin Carreño walking around oxford however her behavior was described as very predatory she was looking down sort of alleyways stopping when people walked 
past and it was very much the case of the prosecution that she was looking for a victim because she knew that on July 25th after the lockdown restrictions had lifted that people would be out they would be drinking and essentially someone would be vulnerable. In short she was looking for a victim and it was about 4.30 a.m. when she stumbled across Jorge in Radcliffe Square. She spoke with him for about 12 minutes before sitting down next to him and we are never going to know what was exchanged between the pair. We are only ever going to know what Blake's version of events are, which have already been accepted by the jury as a lie. So we're never going to we're never going to know what was said. But she somehow persuades him to follow her to Parsons Pleasure, which is a popular male naked bathing spot near the university parks. When there, it is believed that Blake hit Mr. Martin Carreño over the back of the head with a vodka bottle before manually strangling him with her hands and then pushing him into the river. It was discussed in the sentencing whether the vodka bottle was bought and intended to be a weapon and whether there was the possibility of other weapons being in the backpack but Again, like the conversation between the pair, we're never going to know. We're never going to know what was in that backpack. We, we'll never know if the vodka bottle was intended to be a weapon, but all we do know is that it was accepted by the jury that it was used as a weapon. Jorge was sadly found later the following day on July 26th by a wildlife photographer, and for two years, police had no leads on, on what had happened to Jorge. They released the CCTV footage of Blake, who obviously they didn't know at the time, but she never came forward, and an inquest was held midway through 2022, which ruled that his death was open-ended because of the lack of evidence at that time. During the two-year period, Blake returned to Parsons Pleasure twice, once to take a picture of the memorial left by Jorge's family and his second time to take a picture next to the tree near to where Jorge had been pushed into the river. It was heard in the trial that the tree was significant because police never released the specific location that Jorge was found, meaning Blake could only know that tree was significant because she was there. Over the two years, Blake frequently bragged and reveled in the murder, even confessing to it to her former girlfriend at the time, the American girl Ashlyn Bell. The pair had a lot of sexual interest in violence and harm and strangulation and it, w it was a sexual thing for the both of them to share in what Blake had done, to the point where Blake had sent the jacket she was wearing that night to Belle in America. And you may remember that this is how police eventually came to arrest Blake in August last year because Belle had dobbed her in, basically, had contacted the police and said, I believe this is the person you're looking for. The jacket was sent back to Oxfordshire and it was examined. Uh, DNA of semen was found on the jacket none of it belonging to Blake but that was the, it, the DNA of three different unknown males was uh, found on the jacket. She'd also bragged to the girlfriend she had after Ashton Bell called Evie Brockman about the murder saying she had killed someone because her lover Ashton Bell at the time thought it was hot 
and once she came across a drunk guy in a hotel and had messaged the last time I saw someone this drunk they were killed. So after Belle had dobbed Blake in she was arrested on August 9th last year from her home address where she made some odd comments such as at least it's not genocide and when asked if there were dangerous chemicals in her house she said it was a difficult question to answer but she was arrested, um, she was interviewed I believe 13 times by police and answered no comments to all those interviews and then fast forward to February this year where she stood trial charged with murder. And of course three months prior to this it was discovered that Blake had kidnapped her neighbour's cat before dissecting it, mutilating it and putting its body parts in a blender all while live streaming the process with her former partner Belle in America. During this video links were drawn between her killing the cat and the Netflix documentary Don't F With Cats because of a song that was played on a loop. The song was True Faith by New Order and that song was used by convicted murderer Luca Mignotta in the background of his own snuff film where he sadly killed Jun Lin. He was later arrested and jailed and the Netflix documentary was made about him so it's said that Blake drew sort of gruesome inspiration from that from that documentary and she had made reference to it in the live stream of the cat. Well Belle had talked about it and said you know he started out off killing cats right and he was quite stupid because he got caught so in the sentencing it was very much accepted that there was a connection between the two. And that was pretty much everything that was heard in the trial and the version of events that was accepted by the jury through their guilty plea. So we will now go through the sentencing which took place at 11.30am at Oxford Crown Court on Monday, I should remember it was this week, Monday the 26th. The Sentencing was actually recorded after an application was made by cameras in court. It was only of the sentencing remar remarks, not the entire hearing, and it was only focused on the judge, but I should be able to get some audio from, from that and give you a break from my voice a little later on in the podcast. But first, let me take you through chronologically what happened in the sentencing. The start of the sentencing featured some tributes from Jorge's brothers and his mum, there was a picture of him shown on the screens for everyone in the public gallery to see, for Blake to see, for the legal counsel to see, and the members of the jury actually, as three, had returned to watch the sentencing. So the brothers, who are called Gerardo and Jean, stood up to make a statement, and this was the first time, I think, that we reported that Jorge is a triplet. I think it was something that was always known but it just was never said in the trial so it, it never came out but he is a triplet and I will read some of the tribute that he said in court. He said, Jorge Crenio is the victim. For us he is a son and brother. We share a unique bond. We are triplets, born together, live together, we are best friends. With his caring and friendly nature he was always spreading joy, his great sense of humour and joy of life. He was known for his incredible affection. He was always ready to help. He was an incredibly good person. His life was full of love. Going through the pain of losing a son and a brother is a challenge no family should face. His life was stolen by Scarlet. 
The last two years have felt like an eternity. It's been sleepless nights and days. We ask you to understand the full extent of our loss. We hope the justice served here today will reflect the loss we've suffered. Scarlet Blake has no remorse, making it more difficult for us to process, knowing she has taken the life of Jorge for her own sexual conviction. It's difficult to know. It was chilling to hear her in this court. The lack of empathy is evident. A tribute was also read out by his mother, Carmen, who spoke in Spanish to the court, and then her tribute was translated into English. So I will read some of what she told us as well. She said, We as a family wish to pay tribute to Jorge. Jorge was not only an exemplary child, but an exceptional being. He dreamed of a future where he could make a difference with his skills to build a better world. He played guitar skillfully and radiated kindness and humour to those of us lucky enough to know him. Being a triplet brother, he was also their best friend. His sense of humour filled every space. Jorge, with his caring and friendly nature, was always spreading joy with his wit and contagious curiosity. He was always ready to help and listen to others. He was overall an incredibly good person. The loss of Jorge has not only left an open wound in this family, but to all those who had the pleasure of knowing him. It's left a void impossible to fill. The pain of losing a son and brother is such strife, a trial that no family should face. Today his absence leaves a great wound in our hearts. His life was stolen. There can be no peace until justice is served. There was also a tribute from Jorge's former girlfriend, Irene. It wasn't part of the sentencing hearing. It was sent to the Oxford Mail prior to the sentencing, but I still think it's important that her tribute to Jorge is read out. So she wrote, Jorge was that person who was always willing to listen to me without interrupting. Jorge was the person who rejoiced in my accomplishments, who pushed me to achieve my goals, who celebrated everything good that could happen to me, not only when we were a couple, but always. I can say with certainty that I am where I am, in part, thanks to him. Jorge was that person who was proud of his family, for whom his siblings meant everything. He loved them. And he made you part of that love. He knew how to convey it so well. He was that person who did everything with heart, with passion, that made him authentic. Jorge had a pure soul. He had no malice. He only had kind words for everyone and always a smile, even on his worst days. He was always ready to greet you with a wide smile. I will always remember that smile. As long as I am alive, your voice will never be silenced. The sentencing hearing was then passed over to Miss Morgan KC, who was making an application on behalf of the prosecution to say that the murder was sexually motivated. She said... All that evidence clearly establishes a sexual motivation for the killing. Plainly, after the event, the defendant gains sexual gratification from the murder. So the evidence that she's talking about is Blake's sexual interest in strangulation. For example, the video of her strangling Miss Brockman consensually. Also, the messages and images on her phone talking about strangulation in a sexual context. Um... It was also suggested that she derived sexual gratification from the cat video because it was done either for Valentine's Day or for Ashlyn Bell's birthday. I don't think it was ever established like which event it was. I don't think Blake herself remembered, but it was done because it was something that the pair found sexual. So Miss Morgan KC continued. She said... We submit this is a murder which involves sexual conduct due to the particular manner the defendant chose to kill the deceased. It's accepted there is no evidence of a sexual assault. However, we respectfully invite the court to conclude that the act of strangulation was an act of sexual nature. 
Miss Morgan Casey also made applications about whether the murder was premeditated. So she spoke a lot about the backpack that Blake was carrying that night and, as I briefly mentioned, the possibility that there were other weapons in that bag that could have been used and whether the vodka bottle was carried out uh, was carried with Blake with the intention of being used as a murder weapon and other aggravating features that Miss Morgan pointed out was the fact that Blake evaded arrest for two years and that she clearly derived pleasure from linking the events to her own sexual enjoyment and obviously the the video of her live streaming the cat was an aggravating feature as well. The case was then handed over to Mr Sutton KC who said that the court couldn't consider the murder to be sexually motivated. He said there has to be some sexual nature at the time of the killing. The mere fact that there is a background does not mean the Crown can suggest the murder must be sexual. Either he was hit on the back of the head or there was some form of strangulation. The court has to be satisfied that one or the other or both took place, but none of those actions on the face of it are sexual. It's a simple, straightforward, if I can put it that way, killing. Mr Sutton also commented on the fact that Blake may never be released from prison. So you receive a life sentence regardless in the UK for murder, but you do receive a minimum term. This means there's a minimum amount of years that you will spend in prison for murder, but you can be released and you'll essentially be on licence for the rest of your life, which means checking in with the police, for example, like one once a week. Um, he said that he thinks it's unlikely she will be released. He said, and I quote, Scarlett Blake has been found guilty of murdering Jorge Carreño. For that, she will be sentenced to life in prison. That is the sentence for what she has done. Looking at her background, she is, in one sense, a dangerous person. With the lifestyle she has adopted, it's unlikely that any parole board will feel she is fit to be released back into society. She could be in prison for life. He also said that it would be wrong for the court to assume there was anything else in Blake's backpack that night and that it would be wrong to assume the vodka bottle had been taken with the intent of being used as a murder weapon. He said... There's no evidence of any ligature. If there was, it was very light. Therefore, it was just speculation whether a weapon was taken for that purpose. He then also made some missions on whether the murder was premeditated or not. He said that it seemed genuine that she was going out at an abnormal time of night to enjoy herself and that she hadn't planned to find someone at Radcliffe Camera. She had just sort of stumbled on that area and Jorge was there. Um, he also said that Jorge wasn't particularly vulnerable, not according to his age or disability, but that he had quite willingly walked with the defendant to Parsons' pleasure. He said, there is no abuse of trust, no threat to another. The real point is, what's this person's background? What's going to happen? Is she going to do it again? She's a dangerous person, but the way she murdered is sadly no different to how murders happen. Murders are not nice. We realise the circumstances around this case are to warrant an increase, but not a substantial increase. Realistically, the court has got to indicate there is something particularly unpleasant about this murder. So the increase he is talking about there is that 
the minimum term you can be given for murder is 15 years so 15 years in prison and then released on license for the rest of your life he said that he understood that there would be a slight uplift to the 15 years because of the circumstances surrounding what had happened but he was arguing that it should not be a substantial increase from the 15 years i will note at this point that Blake hasn't really reacted to anything that's been said, the tributes, the submissions. In fact, she doesn't really make any reaction throughout the entirety of the sentencing. She's very stoic. She just sat in the dock with her arms crossed, sometimes looking at the ceiling, sometimes looking at her feet, but never making any big reaction of any sort. She just sat there silently and, and listened. Finally, Blake was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 24 years. The time she has already spent in custody waiting for trial will count towards her sentence, so it takes it down to 23 years and 169 days. She also received a concurrent six-month sentence for the cat evidence as the court dubbed um concurrent means that it will run at the same time as the minimum term of 24 years rather than adding it on and being 24 years plus six months judge martin chamberlain delivered the sentencing in the afternoon of monday 26th and i will now play you some of his remarks jorge was taken from his friends and family because you scarlet blake killed him you did so by the River Charwell at Parsons' pleasure at about 5.15 in the morning of the 25th of July, 2021. It is not possible to say exactly how. Most likely, you hit him on the back of his head from behind with a vodka bottle or something else you had brought with you in your backpack, then strangled him by applying pressure to the blood vessels just beneath his jawline using your hands or a broad ligature, then put him in the river where he drowned. You may have held him down in the water while strangling him. Either way, you intended to kill him and you did kill him. Your decision to kill Jorge was not a reaction to something he had said or done. It was not a momentary mistake. It was not a decision made in anger or because your emotions overcame you. It was the culmination of a plan you had been considering and formulating for months. After the sentencing, Blake was taken by the dock officers to the cells underneath the court. Again, she made no reaction, but she did slightly nod towards her mum before she was taken downstairs. After the sentencing, police made a statement outside of court marking the end of a complex and challenging investigation. The statement was made by the senior investigating officer in the case, Detective Superintendent John Capps, and I will play you some of what he said now. I have to warn you, it is a very incredibly loud clip as he was speaking outside of court with a lot of traffic going by but i will summarize it as well for you just in case you can't pick up what he's saying marks the end of a long complex investigation i know that many will want to focus on the actions and behavior of this defendant there are several aspects of this case that have been truly disturbing to see hear and deal with this defendant showed calculated cruelty 
the acts Blake has been convicted of are barbaric and chilling. This murder was premeditated with total disregard and disdain for life. Crimes such as this are incredibly rare. I want rather to focus on Jorge and his family and pay tribute to them and the enormous dignity that they have shown throughout this ordeal. In short, the police dubbed the case as incredibly rare and described Blake's actions as barbaric and chilling. They went on to thank Jorge's family and the dignity that they've shown throughout the trial and the superintendent then went on to thank his team and the key players that helped get this trial in, in front of a jury and help carrying it through. And at last, he also paid tribute to Jorge. He said, his life has been taken away from him. He clearly meant so much to so many. It is Jorge's life that will be remembered over and above the actions of this defendant. The family tribute is beautiful to read and says more than I could ever possibly do justice to. And I think that point at the end there is so important because with a trial as disturbing as Scarlett Blake's has been, I think it's easy to forget that at the forefront of it all, a man, a young man, sadly lost his life. And I think that Jorge Martin Crenio's name is the one that we should remember out of all of this and that ladies and gentlemen has been the murder trial of jorge martin crenio thank you so so much for listening if you got all the way to episode four and joining me for the deep dive behind the scenes of the trial and the sentencing it means a lot that you've taken time out of your day to listen to me rant at you for 30 whole minutes so thank you so much i'd also like to thank my editors that have been legally checking every podcast before it goes live they have also taken 30 minutes out of their day to listen to me ranting when I'm sure they have much better things to do and I'd also like to thank the other journalists that joined me on the trial together we all worked hard to make sure that we were putting out the the same information the correct information and ensuring that people that needed to know about this trial and couldn't be there in the court were getting the information that they needed and thank you again so much for listening. If you would like to read more details about this trial in terms of the sentencing, when the verdict came in, I live blog pretty much every single day and I live blog the sentencing as well. So just visit the oxmail.co.uk to read all of those articles. In the meantime, for more court and crime news, you can subscribe to my newsletter, oxmail.co.uk slash newsletters, or you can follow us on all our social media. That's at oxmail on TikTok and on Twitter. And I think on Facebook you can just search Oxford Mail and we will pop up. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned to find out what we will be covering next on the Oxfordshire Course in Crime podcast. But for now, that's everything. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to speaking at you <laughs> again in the future. Bye.